1: to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman, joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And Tony Black. Hello. Tony, you've not been on a proper Failed Critics Podcast before, have you?
0: No, I'm a Failed Critics Normal Podcast virgin, which is the title, <laughs> I hope. Um, it, will yes. it, will it will be now. It will be now, yeah. No. Um,
1: yeah. This is a bit what you tell people about yourself in a very much blind date fashion. Imagine me as the voiceover. I can't remember his name. <laughs> Owen is Silla. Graham. Graham. I'm Graham. Graham. Yeah, Owen Silla. You're the contestant.
0: Okay. Okay. So it's over to our Graham for a quick reminder, <laughs> which you've already given. <laughs> my, name's, my name's Tony. I'm 33 in a week, a week today. Um, I, I'm from Birmingham. Um, I'm six foot four. I uh, I have brown, but no, I'll stop now. Um, this is just, it was, like, blind. It was a bit weird. Um, though, but... that was a bit weird. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell I'll you what. He's, she's picking the other guy. <laughs> it was the Birmingham bit. I know that screwed me over. Um, I think I think you'd lost him before that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I hail from a black hole cinema, which is uh, a film podcast that's uh, just in the slipstream. It's slipstream, I should say. of have uh, failed critics because we've been going like a tiny amount compared to you guys. But uh yeah, you know, we review the new films that are coming out, have the odd uh have the odd other you know, thing on there, like a classic review and things like that. We have a rotating variety of guests. Owen's been on uh, a few times, which is good of him. Um and uh yeah, we we try Not and bring it an Not invited me yet.
1: <laughs>
0: no, it's uh it's that's awkward. You yeah. that you've made it awkward now, Steve. I I, I,
1: There's I a level I,
2: between us, Steve. I'm just gonna,
1: you know, I didn't think we needed to resort to inviting guests on from rival film podcasts, though, but you, you thought different
0: when booking people. So,
2: Yeah. If only I could get a different person to host. Uh, oh no. Did I say that out loud?
0: Oh, but yeah, um, we're on Twitter at black hole cinema uh, and I'm on uh, Twitter at Tony black at at black hole writer. So if you fancy having us, that'd be great to see if, what we do.
1: If you fancy listening to the second best amateur film podcast in existence, why not go over to their website and check them out?
0: Nice. Nice. <laughs> I <Nice>. didn't <laughs> anything, you know, ambivalence there. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's true, though. It's true. It's absolutely true. Um, yes.
1: Anyway, so that's that's Tony out of the way. Um, not literally. <laughs> He's still going to be on the whole podcast. Um, that made me sound a bit harsh than what I meant to. Um, on to the, onto the quiz where I'm in the lead. Uh, but Owen, in a bid to... To uh, rock me and lose it, make me lose again, has changed the format on us once again.
2: Yeah, okay. So, sort of to tie in a little bit with um, world events, current events, I guess. Um, Well, world world events is a bit strong. (laughs) A bit strong. Well, it's FIFA. To dine with FIFA, basically. So, however you view that. it's going on currently still. It started last week with people being arrested from FIFA, high-ranking executives all being hauled out of hotels under cover of nice satin sheets um, into the back of limos, driven off like the criminals they potentially are. <laughs> um, <laughs> libel, they're avoiding liable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, they'll get past our lawyers. We've got the same lawyers as Have I Got News For You, so they'll be okay
1: with that. we um, lawyers? <laughs> yeah, why not? Sure, we've got lawyers. If I have known that sooner, I'd been libeling a hell of a lot more.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so to tie in with that, and the fact that their film, which was funded... By FIFA, partly funded by FIFA, about FIFA, about Seth Blatter and oh, what a good guy he is and how he changes football yeah. for the better, uh, mm. called United Passions.
1: We thought we like, changed. Sounds like Channel 5 porn, doesn't it? Yeah. The whole of that sh-
2: just caboodle just sounds like Channel 5 the porn. Thing, the
1: thing is, as Seth Blatter in this film was Tim Roth, mm-hmm. the last film I saw him in. Was Selma, where he played a horrible racist,
0: and I think he's a more mm. I think he's a
1: more despicable character in, in
0: this. <laughs> if this really was like a Channel Five film, it would have been Shannon Tweed playing Set Blatter, which I'd have paid money to watch. Quite honestly,
2: <laughs> well, I think the the problem is, of course, um, we've prepared this quiz, right. Sort of because as well, kind of in honour of having Tony on the podcast, and we, you know, first podcast, Tony appeared on a well, I'll say hours, but the quiz cast, the first quiz cast. Um, and we recorded the second quiz cast, and that was released a couple of weeks ago as well, so you can go and check that out. But we, nice plug. um, nice little quick plug there. <laughs> um, it basically, one of the things that we did on the first quiz cast was we had a prepared question, Steve prepared a question, told us what it was, and we had to. In our teams, get an answer together um, to deliver on the podcast. Where we were kind of, it's like fighting talk, isn't it, Steve? Sort
1: of the five. Yeah, fight. so I completely ripped off the idea from them. <laughs> borrowed. We borrowed it and tweaked it. Yeah, they can have the idea back if they want. <laughs>
2: so we kind of, we're going to do the same thing again in trying to defend United Passions. <clears throat> to gonna... defend it and say why people should watch
0: it. This, is, this was bloody hard.
2: It was difficult. <laughs> it was difficult. What made it more difficult was the fact that, like, two hours, two, three hours before recording, this, Set Blatter stepped down. He resigned. <laughs> which completely screwed me over, I'll be honest.
0: I think he timed it because he knew this was going on. He, he's such a bastard. That's probably true. He thought, fuck it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really stitch foul critics up. That's, yeah, what, that's what he
2: did. He's sending those tweets that we've been sending <laughs> and saying, that's it, I'm screwing them over, so that's what he's done. He's <laughs> announced his resignation before we had the chance to really take the piss out of him. What a bastard. <sighs> utter, utter, complete and utter bastard. But um, So that's what we're doing. But the, the, the way the point scoring is going to work, we need people to tell us which they think was the best, really, which one of us convinced them the listeners to watch united passions i'm sorry if we ever actually do convince anyone to watch it and i wouldn't i don't normally advocate piracy but do not pay for united passions do not give fifa any more money don't watch it or if you do just do it illegally
0: i'm i'm still i'm still a bit reeling from the fact you have listeners is that like, i i don't have any of them
2: our listeners are basically people we actually have on the podcast <laughs> <laughs>
1: Paul, occasionally. I think there's just um, people who forgot they subscribed, uh, <laughs> and it just, just keeps downloading every week, and they don't actually
2: games. know. Yeah. yeah, we say listeners; they're more like downloaders. But um, yeah, so you guys need to listen to these like speeches, these rants that we've got, and then tell us which one you like the most, and whoever wins gets a point. Okay. As a... How long does each person rant for, Owen? I would say up to 60 seconds, any more than that, and people are just going to be shooting themselves if they're listening. (laughs) Uh, Are
0: you you suggesting that all your listeners have guns ready? Is it it that kind of thing where they're listening to this and debating (laughs) whether or not to shoot themselves? The the trigger's cocked already. Yeah, 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 no. no, This is a bad episode, yeah, you know.
2: Yeah. Although if they're listening through ACAS, now, I'm gonna say you can skip this entirely. It'll be bookmarked. You can skip to the next section. I'm sure they will. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they Maybe. will. yeah. So um Who who's gonna go first then? Who wants to go first? I think you should as this was your great idea. Thank you. All right. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so I'm gonna put forward a case then for why um The creation of United Passions is a good thing and why people should watch it. Firstly, if there's one thing that would force the FBI's hand to arrest all these FIFA executives in Switzerland last week. um, If we know anything at all about what one thing could unite all of America. One particular issue that would bring together a country with a population of over 320 million to be invested in something about Football of all sports, or soccer. Um, soccer. Soccer, yeah, is obviously their hatred of communism. So, <laughs> therefore, whilst I would hate to throw accusations around about Sepp Blatter being a communist, or, you know, it might seem somewhat of a strong slur for a, a <laughs> character of his stature to call him a communist, I can only assume that uh, that's the reason that F- the FBI are after him. They think that FIFA's a communist organisation. And so if you think about it, if you think about it, grassroots football is available for everyone of any age, ability, gender or ethnicity. Everyone at that level is equal. So football is equal, except, you know, some people are more equal than others, particularly if they run the organisation that supports football, i.e. FIFA. Um, Or, you know, maybe not an organisation, maybe they're a party, a communist party <laughs>
1: uh,
2: yeah sure you know they're entitled to their little slice off the tops no biggie right you know particularly the dear leader Zet blatter he's the good guy the eternal president of football um there might be a token gesture of supposedly fair and equal voting process that goes on there you know but that's only to appease those capitalist pigs in america as united passions will no doubt explain we all know there's no way to, to depose our glorious messiah, Sepp Blatter. He has to step down himself. And so what better way to, to witness the coronation, the rise of this, this messiah, this messiah, Sepp Blatter, than by watching United Passions. So there you go. You should watch United Passions to honour everything Sepp Blatter has done for football. That's it.
0: And his Stalinism. And his Stalinism.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you should watch United Passions because it tells the backstory of one of football's truly great visionaries, Sepp Blatter. (laughs) Now, at the time where he and the previous president, Jean Havelange, became involved in FIFA, it was run by the English, and it was very colonial and insular, and they took it to the world. Now everyone plays, and the African countries get as much say as the big European countries... And the Asian countries get as big say as the big South American countries. Perhaps more of a say if they put the right money, the right gifts, the right handbags in the right wives' <laughs> pockets. doesn't matter as long as the outcome is the same. And that outcome is all nations get the same amount of money. So England will get the same amount of money from FIFA each year as the tiniest Pacific Island nation. And that money should go towards the development of football. England hypocritically taking money from FIFA, spent it on St. George's Park. That tiny Pacific nation, the person who runs the football association out of country, probably put it in his back pocket and it will never see the grassroots of that country. doesn't matter. FIFA can't be responsible for where it goes when it gets to that country. FIFA can't be responsible for any money that just happens to turn up on their doorstep in a bag. And Blatter is constantly, <laughs> and Blatter is constantly trying to improve football. He's coming up with all these great ideas. I mean, what better idea than improving women's football by letting them play in tighter shorts? His exact quote was, let the women play more feminine clothes like they do in volleyball. Female players are pretty, if you excuse me for saying so, they already have different <laughs> rules to men, such as playing with a lighter ball. The decision was then to create a more female aesthetic, so why not do it in fashion? Exactly making football better for everyone. Because, <laughs> because surely, the, the, if it's tied to shorts, it's easier to run. It's more aerodynamic. And if it just looks good by default, so be it. You know. He also did rather contradictorily force through a banning of men taking their shirts off when they score goals. So, <laughs> uh, you know, he, he also came up with the idea. Obviously, 2022 World Cup went to Qatar. Homosexuality is illegal in Qatar. So what what answer did football's head honcho come up with when the issue of, of visiting fans from other nations who may be homosexual visit the country for the World Cup? He just said, I'd, ref- I'd say they should refrain from any sexual activities. Well, there you go. Perfect answer to the question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, in trying to solve the racism argument between uh, Louis Sars and Patrice Ev- Evera, she said they should just shake hands. That is a
0: solution to racism.
1: They should just shake hands.
0: <laughs> Why like, did no one suggest that to, like, you yeah. know, all the Martin Luther King and all that, all those guys before? It's a handshake. I'd love,
2: I'd love to see Crash where they just all shake hands and that's it
0: solved.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, also
1: a little, also a little bit creepy that after he after his suggestion about women's football. He also suggested that uh, women's football is definitely my baby. Um, I want see his baby in tight shorts, just a strange. Oh. Altogether. But uh, Yeah, so you should watch United Passions in praise of Seth Blatter, the man who, is cons- who was constantly, until his forced resignation, <laughs> trying to improve football on all levels. Wow. Nice. <laughs> no, I, yeah. <laughs> well,
0: if I make sure. Tony, beat that. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I will say, as we record this, obviously, Seth Blatter, as you already know, has resigned as FIFA president. You know, did he do it because he loves the game? Is he about to be charged? Is he angry that today the Guardian reported on his days as a wedding singer and a, and a yodeler? You know, who, who knows? Because they did. Who knows? You know, we may never find out fully. But United Passions, however, deserve to be seen because it might well answer those questions. You know, who among us hasn't wondered about not Sepp's time as FIFA Uber Fuhrer, but rather when he was once elected president of the World Society of Friends of Suspenders? I know I have. <laughs> now, I don't know what that is, but I know I've wondered. You know, maybe we'll get to see the £166 million FIFA HQ that absolutely has not, at all, in any way, no siree, been modelled. On the war room from Doctor Strange, love, or how I <laughs> stop worrying and learn to love the bomb, or in this case, bong. Any film <laughs> neck and neck on IMDb already with Night of the Living Dead 3D reanimation, and of course, who, you know the amazing the Astro Zombies. In my mind, deserves a wide audience, and so far, only the Serbians have seen it. You know who gives a shit about the Serbians? I've just wiped out. I've just written off the uh, race. There, too. lost the whole country. Lost of the whole country. Sorry, Serbia. <laughs> Crucially, well, yeah, I'll translate this into Serbian. (laughs) Crucially, maybe though, through it we'll see the real Sepp. Not the man who has a wooden trough dedicated to him in the Swiss Alpine town of Ulrichen, which he does. Or the man who oversees a FIFA hotel where a veal cutlet costs £60, which it does. Or the man who once asked Placido Domingo and Henry Kissinger to join FIFA's mythical Council of Wisdom, which absolutely, definitely, for sure is not a Spectre-esque cabal maybe United Passions is about the sep we all want to know and love I mean, come on, let's face it when have you ever known Tim Roth to play a bastard? i hold my tongue on that one <laughs> there you go there we go, hooray the film the choice is yours
1: <laughs> the film also starred Sam Neill and Gerard Depardieu
0: well, there you go. Two words: the 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 reason you should watch it. Gerard mm-hmm. Depardieu, who does resemble the Stay Man in glasses. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he really
2: does. Yeah, there we go. So you could watch it because it's a bit of an evil bastard,
0: or because it's a bit of a hero of the people. One of, one of those reasons. And he is one or the other. I mean, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it, not it's the a true, one, is it? true visionary. If the vision is world domination. Yeah, or women in tighter shorts. Or communism. There,
2: there you go. So, yeah, so we need people now to just tell us. They can tweet us or you can email if you want, at, um, failcritics at Uh if you want your vote to be anonymous and only seen by me when I count them at the end.
1: Oh, yeah, convenient, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, won't,
2: I, I won't accept bribes, any less than 20 quid. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Just send us in your, your, your favourite and we'll
0: um, add the points up in next week's podcast. And we'll see if anyone's would. And then when the truth about the bribes come out, the FBI will be here. Oh, no, no. Not, no, no, <laughs> no. <All right, laughs> as
2: long as I get bunged into the back of a nice, luxurious car instead of a horrible, grotty police car with mouldy seats. Yeah, that's fine. No, and it'll I be a fault, it's alright, because then afterwards, what I can do is, you see, I can just complain of exhaustion and then they'll let me go to a party. So that'll <laughs> be alright. <laughs>
0: that was a great photo. Yeah. <laughs> that oh, was a great, I love that. I hate him so much. I just yeah. hate Jack Warner. Yeah. They're all bastards. Yeah, they are, all of yeah. them. Apparently. So, you know. Not so proven. On from, not, not on from
1: um, alienating all our listeners who don't like football. And on to the news where i believe tony has some some news for us about the upcoming spider-man reboot again and the casting for that role
0: yeah there is a, there is a few apparently we're going to get a, an announcement later this week as to who who's the new spidey obviously there's the new film the new spider-man film coming in uh, i think it's 2017 so it's a couple of years away but He's widely rumoured to crop up in Civil War next year. I think which obviously...
1: it's been pretty much confirmed now, hasn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So they're, they're filming that now. So obviously if they cast the guy now, then they can squeeze him into the filming schedule and you know get him in there for what I probably will assume is relatively a cameo, but enough to get him in. So over the weekend, several uh, potential Spideys were screen tested in Atlanta. And uh, as I say, we're going to get the announcement apparently at the end of this week. The screen-tested ones were, apparently, um, now, see how many of these names you recognise. Tom Holland, Mm -hmm. Asa Butterfield, Mm -hmm. Judah Lewis, Matthew Lintz, Charlie Plummer, and Charlie Rowe. Now, I don't know about you guys, the only one I know is Asa Butterfield.
2: I think I know Tom Holland. He's the British guy, isn't he? Is he the British kid who is in How I Live Now? I think.
0: I've no idea.
2: Yeah. That's the only two I recognise, though of Butterfield and Tom Holland. And of Butterfield, I'll be perfectly honest, only because I know he was auditioning
0: for Spider Man. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> well he he's the front runner, um and he has been for a while, but I, I I think that it was they they almost announced he'd got it, but then I think that was premature. But I think he will, because he's the most recognisable. He was in Ender's game, which was rubbish, but he oh, was in yeah. that. Um and he oh, was in Hugo. It was in Hugo. It was in something else as well, which which was better. I can't remember what it is. Uh, the boy in the striped pajamas. That's it. Yeah. The boy in the striped pajamas. Yeah. He was quite good in that. So. Um, and the yeah. Wolfman.
2: Blimey, I've seen him in quite a bit then. Oh, well. was he in? Was he in
0: the Wolfman? <laughs> Apparently so. That young Ben. One. Oh no, yeah. Oh, Young Ben, of course. I, uh, I know. Silly me, I forgot about Young. Ah, uh, yeah, the famous Young Ben the character. Famous Young wolfman. Ben. Oh, iconic. Um, but yeah, I think I think said Butterfield will get it. I mean, he does look. He just quite looked the part. He looks like a young Tobey Maguire, so uh, mm. he does looked the part. Of it, but well, yeah, it's questionable, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> um, little emo dance scene thing again. Oh God, don't, 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 <laughs> uh, no, those, no. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I so yeah, happened. I can't. I can't believe that happened. It's. I really don't know why i know people like i know the reason why that scene occurred
2: and this is always the thing that annoys me whenever you mention how shit spider-man 3 is because let's be honest it's shit it is an absolutely appalling film
0: it is shit. even
2: sam raimi's come out and said it's a bad film he's mm. completely you know he's owned up and said it's not very good yeah. and he's given plenty of reasons why but whenever you say that you say the emo spider-man scene the immediate reaction from people is always to go, oh, yeah, but it, that's the point, isn't it? It's him who th- he thinks he's being cool, but he's not being cool. And it's like, no, just stop. You cannot mm-hmm. defend that scene. It is atrocious, yeah. just like the rest of that movie. Absolutely yeah. appalling.
0: It's terrible.
2: Uh, it is. So I'm sorry, Asa Butterfield. If you're reminding people of Toby Maguire, I would not put that down as a positive thing. <laughs> I, I really liked... Um, Andrew Garfield, mm. I think he's a very good actor. Actually, um, he was good in the first Spider-Man. I thought second one there wasn't, you know, Amazing Spider-Man. Sorry, the second one wasn't so good. No. Um, but he, you know, he himself is like, is he over thirty now? Andrew Garfield.
0: Mm. I think he's about thirty.
2: Yeah, and they're going for a younger, a younger Peter Parker, one that's sort of set just after high school, I think, or just mm. in high school. So. Tom Holland, I would be happy with, actually. Um, obviously, it depends how he screen tests, I guess. But I think he's a really, really talented young actor. He, was, he really was brilliant in How I Live Now. For You know, a young actor who stands out against people like Saoirse Ronan in that film.
0: Well, um, what they need, by the sound of it, because what they're trying to do from what I've read... Is they want to make they want to go back to Spider Man being quite funny and quite yeah. you know jokey, which is something that Garfield did he did do quite well, but he didn't really have the scripts behind him to properly go for that. Um, even though I still say that him and Emma Stone are the two best things about those films, and they were, they were great those two. But I think that they need to get whoever plays this part. They need to get someone who can be funny and who can actually a young person who's actually got that comic timing. Now I don't know if Ace Butterfield does really. He's not he's not shown it yet anyway, as far as I can see. Whether whether any of the others can, I don't know, I don't know who they are, but do you reckon Tom Holland could, from what you've seen?
2: Oh uh, yeah, I think so, I think so. He had a bit of humour in um, How I Live Now, and he did it really well. Like I said, mm. he just did everything really well in that film. It was surprising, actually. I think he got a lot of praise for um, appearing in The Impossible as well. He was in The Impossible, that film oh, with yeah. uh, Ewan McGregor and is it Naomi Watts? Naomi Watts, that? yeah. Um yeah, he got a lot of praise for his little role in that as well. So, he also did the voice, apparently. I'm just looking now. He was uh, Eddie in Locke. You know, the film with Tom Hardy, who's just in a car driving from. Was he
0: really? Yeah. Oh. He, he said, was, was that the son. son
2: in that. His yeah. Son. So, you only hear his voice, obviously. But, um, yeah, there you go. I didn't know that either. So, uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, Tom Holland, I know. I, I, I'd like Tom Holland as, as that's that. If they're going for that younger, goofy, funny sort of Spider Man then I think he'd do quite well. Mm. I think Butterfield are gate though.
0: prop Stra- yeah. yeah. I've got He's been the, the name at the front of the list for well, since mm. it was, you know, NH oh, wow. really. Yeah. Oh in, in, in other uh, news as well, very, very quickly, um, they've cancelled Tron three this week, which I've just oh, realized. No, really. I know, You're how on. terrible. Um I will defend Tron legacy on one thing though. I mean, it was largely rubbish, but the soundtrack by Daft Punk was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So it, it's a real shame that we're not going to get another Daft Punk soundtrack. But I don't care about this. buy
1: a, a Daft Punk album?
2: That
0: would be a good compromise.
2: <laughs> I've got a friend who um, doesn't really like films that much. He doesn't go to see them very often, but he loves music. He's really into his music, goes to loads of gigs and stuff. He went to see Tron Legacy. In the cinema, just to listen to the Daft Punk soundtrack on a cinema surround sound system. Well, that's that was his only reason for seeing it. Yeah.
0: No, I guess I think that would be. I I missed it at the cinema, but I think that would have been good. That would have been really cool. But then just get big speakers and put it on Spotify. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. Find the same track. (laughs) Mm. It's easier and cheaper, probably.
1: Yeah. Well, that is all for the news for this week. Um, and for part one in part two we'll be back with what we've been watching where we take a look at some of the films we've seen in the last week or so welcome back into the failed critic podcast part two now and what we've been watching um, I mean, why don't you start us off with what you've seen in the last seven days?
2: In the last seven days, I watched twice uh, the Alan Partridge film, Alpha Papa. Um it, Park. Back, isn't it? Yeah, I watched it twice uh, because the first time was um, when I went down to this Al Pacino QA the other week. I downloaded it onto my phone because it was on iPlayer and it's still on iPlayer. People should still go and watch it. Um, I downloaded it, watched it on the the commute down to London um, or on the way back, whichever way it was. I I forget now. I watched it with a back-to-back with In the Loop as well, which was also on iPlayer and still is on iPlayer. Two of the best comedy films to come out of this country, or any country. Two of the best comedy films I've seen for, what, the last 20, 30 years? I mean, both of those movies are incredible. And they both come from two very good Sitcoms, P- possibly two of the best sitcoms as well, The Thick of It, and um, well, you know, non-generic Alan Partridge comedies from. I just love the character of Alan Partridge. I just, I think it's an absolutely fantastic creation. Steve Coogan mm-hmm. is incredible in that role. Uh, it was a shame when he stepped away from Alan Partridge for a while, because there were a few years off where he thought, right, I'm going to go make it as a Hollywood actor, and he almost did. He got quite close but, um, you know, he starred in a few quite big productions and things, but none that were really groundbreaking or had the big box office draw that he wanted. He's also starred in a few little indies, you know, little indie films that came out, and he was good in those. You know, uh, what Macy knew he was quite good in, although I didn't really think too much of of that film. But Alpha Papa, when he returned to Alan Partridge with Mid-Morning Matters, I loved it I again I, it sort of rekindled my um like love affair in a way with with the alan partridge character it's kind of the one that shaped my view on comedy from stuff like knowing me knowing you which i loved i'm alan partridge of course which was fantastic it's just possibly the greatest comedy creation ever yeah um and alpha papa itself all the way through from mid-morning matters the i partridge book which if you've not read it Read it. If you've not listened to the audiobook, which he narrates himself as Alan Partridge, then just yeah. stop listening to this now and go and listen to that instead.
0: It's brilliant. That, that is so funny. That, I mean, everything Partridge is good, but that's just brilliant. The audio. It's just
2: so unbelievably well
0: crafted. Yeah.
2: The, the, um, Neil and Rob Gibbons, I think, wrote it uh, alongside uh, Ian and uh, Coogan. And it's just so. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, so Alpha Papa is possibly my favourite comedy film of the past few years. I went to see um, it twice in the cinema. I saw it twice in uh, 2013. And I must have seen it half a dozen times since as well. And like I say, twice in the past week. First time on a commute, second time when I introduced some family members to it who'd never seen it before. And every time it just makes me laugh to the point that I can feel myself like... Tears are just forming in my eyes at how funny I'm finding it. It's just absolutely hilarious and incredible. So, that was it really. I just wanted to share a bit more love for, for Alpha Papa and say that even, even like twice in a week, it's still good. It's still hilarious.
0: Yeah, it's a great film. It's a I mean, great film.
2: Comparing it to In the Loop, though, just kind of because of that Ianucci connection, Amanda Ianucci connection. Uh, have I? you two? You you two must have seen both of them. I'm guessing.
0: Hmm.
1: I don't think I've seen in the loop, but I've definitely seen a thick of it. Yeah, I remember
2: you loved the thick of it. So. Um.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I don't think I've seen in the loop yet. I think it's uh, okay. Avoided me.
2: Yeah. Well, it's on iPlayer no, so.
0: Um, it's so worth it. It is absolutely oh. worth it. Yeah. That I but, think that, I think that's the best British comedy of of the last ten years at the cinema in the loop. It's amazing.
2: Was it? Oh, I didn't see it in the cinema. That's the only problem. I wish I did.
0: No, I no I didn't either, but I think in terms of uh, oh, released films. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um I think it's the best one for a long time. It's incredible.
2: Yeah. Alpha Papa's the one that I saw it with I've seen it with people who love Alan Partridge like I do. And I've seen it with people who don't care for Alan Partridge at all. And all of them I've seen laughing their asses off at it Because whether you like Alan Partridge or not, it's just a really funny film. Really funny. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, Tony, what have you seen this week? Well, I watched the, the new um, Curio that has been <laughs> um, taking up the, uh, uh, the internet, taking the YouTube by storm this week. Uh, I watched Kung Fury which um i don't know if 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 you know uh, much about kung fury but uh i just like saying the name kung fury <laughs> it's, just, it's just great um kung fury is basically this kickstarter funded project um by a guy called david Sandberg, who um is this swedish guy who came up with this idea of of a uh, an 80s retro um, film idea called kung fury that's like taking all the bit, best bits of 80s like stuff um so you know um a hard-bitten cop you know who's mm. who talks like this and he's you know he's got that kind of mission and you know his partner dies and he's you know he's, he was the best partner i ever had and that kind of thing and this and the mixes it with the the whole vision quest thing um and he basically gets struck by lightning and becomes kung fury this you know kung fu wielding cop um on the streets of Miami in 1985 <laughs> Um, and he has all these super kung fu powers, uh, and it's filmed like a you know a typical mid eighties kind of you know thing, um, you know, like like a samurai cup kind of uh, mm. spliced with say Darth Marangi, Dark Place. Although <laughs> I thought it most resembled um, Danger Five, which is the Australian spoof um, show, which itself is a bit like Dark Place, and that's that's newer. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that's on Netflix. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he knows exactly what it's lampooning, and uh, it's it, it's just it's just pure and utter bonkers. You know, it, it, the whole plot revolves around Kung Fury having to go back in time to stop Hitler, who's also a kung fu master called the Kung Fuhrer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's got a, a partner who's for no reason whatsoever a dinosaur, um, a British-speaking dinosaur, so who's like hello, kung. <laughs> and. The Triceracop, player. yeah, Triceracop, <laughs> which is genius, an absolute genius name. My home Triceracop, um, <laughs> and then yeah, it, it you know it involves Vikings and uh, yeah, like I say, Nazis and um, ro- robotic games machines. It, it, it's 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 mental. It's absolutely mental, um, and uh, it's half an hour long, and it, it costs about six hundred and fifty thousand dollars to make, which which was Kickstarter funded. And uh, they wanted a million to make it into a feature. And I think that is the plan now to actually expand it into a feature film. Um, and it, it, it's it's one of those things that it doesn't quite work, but it's great fun, but it doesn't quite work because it's, it's too wrapped up in its own sort of, isn't this very eighties look cool. You know, that kind of, this is a bit like Tron or this is a bit like Big Trouble in Little China. Or this is a bit like, you know, so it, it it, beyond that doesn't really have any jokes i mean i was surprised at how little i laughed um in the whole thing i was i was impressed by it and it looks really cool it's funny there's some really good like 80s affectations like the tracking goes at one point in the middle of a fight (laughs) so you miss the crucial parts of this massive smackdown because the tracking keeps going um which reminded me of my youth (laughs) Um, trying to tune the bastard telly um but but yeah it was uh I think anyone who, who who knows the 80s or grew up in that time will enjoy it. But it, if they want to make it to a feature film, I think they need, to, they need to sort of pad it out a bit and, and maybe give it the script a polish by somebody who's a bit funnier and can actually put jokes in there that go beyond, oh, 80s, oh, look, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was only two good jokes really in it for me. The one is about a really funny moment of product placement, you know, halfway through, which is quite, where he just pulls out <laughs> something and goes, Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> this is a phone. Look, and then it's like an advertisement. And the other one, which was, um, a good, a good, and I thought of you Owen when this came on a good, um, spoof of how, um,
2: from
0: <laughs> and then it turns into a don't hassle the half joke, which, which,
2: <laughs> which I really liked. Um, I love the... I just throw this in there because I think my favourite bit was the two Nazis debating whose moustache is better. Yes, that was
0: good. That was funny. Yes, actually. I, I forgot that bit. Yeah. yeah. That made me laugh quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but it, it's... I think, I think it could have been funny, but I, I think it's one of those things that I think it, we're better off it, that it was made than not. So, but, you know, it, it's nice that things like that are actually getting funded because they're the kind of things that people will genuinely remember, you know, mm. and... Um, there's a lot of love, I think, gone into making that and a lot of time and effort. Um, and the fact it's free as well on YouTube, fair play. <laughs> fair yeah, play. Put, put the whole thing
2: up for free on YouTube.
0: Mm. It's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. But I suppose they've already had their money for it, haven't they? So it's kind of oh, a yeah, yeah. Kickstarter. So, yeah. No, that's, that's really cool of them. And, um, I, yeah, like you said, I think it's worth checking out at least. Mm. It, I, I know there are a few things that have put people off. Such as it's quite ironic with quotation marks around it, and that winds people up. I'm aware of that it can come across very hipsterish um but I think it's got the right blend of that and genuine humor in it. I kind of really I really liked it. I thought it was really good fun, and if it was any longer I know about this plan to turn it into a feature movie I'm not sure it'll sustain a full ninety minutes. Because it, like you've said, it's just one gag, really. half an hour is like the best amount of
0: time for it to be. 30 minutes is enough, I think I think for but, that, yeah, I think for what for what they did there, definitely um, yeah. about- if they
2: did if they did maybe like six episodes that are half an hour long, and mm. each of them is like eighties, but a slightly different thing, it might work,
0: mm, mm, um. Oh, well, yeah, well, like like Danger like Danger 5 yeah like I say I, I, that, that you know something like that where it's a different Kung, you could totally do a series out of it definitely you know Kung Fury yeah. you know goes to a different time period each week or there's a different like villain each I mean you could riff on loads yeah, of things yeah, yeah, loads absolutely of loads things. of different things um, but I think um I think if they made it into a movie, it would, it would only ha- it would, it, they couldn't do it for longer than about 80 minutes. They want to do a really punchy exactly. hobo-with-a-shotgun-length 80-minute kind of blast of mad- madness with just a bit more character... And a few more jokes, and I think it would be brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, Um, joke jokes rather than like references. Yes, I think is the key, and that you know both basically. So you keep all Mm. the eighties calls. Oh yeah, you need them both, but but yeah, I think uh, it was great. It was great fun though. I definitely you've got to watch. It'll be half an hour. It's well worth it. Well worth it.
1: Okay, and finally for this part, I watched Twenty Two Jump Street, um, starring. Uh, Jonah Hill, Channing Tatum The first one was a bit of a, a surprise hit wasn't it, I don't think many people were mm. expecting it to be as funny as what it was um, it was based off some old TV program American TV program um, but it was, a, it was a surprise success and actually really funny uh, the second one, 22 Jump Street is now on Netflix UK so you can catch it there I think it's been on there for a little while. Anyway, um, they make a big point at the start of the film about the sequels not being as good as the <laughs> as the first one. It's a kind of major joke for the for the start of the film, and it's somewhat true of the film. Um, it isn't as good as the first one. It doesn't live up to that height. Maybe expectations were too high after, after the brilliant twenty one Jump Street, um, or maybe this one just wasn't quite up to the mark but it's still good it's still funny there's still plenty of laughs in the film um Channing Tatum is is uh, very good in a comedic role he's proven himself to be quite versatile where he's lining up in the likes of Magic Mike and um what's the name uh, Foxcatcher um as well as this So he's proving himself quite a versatile actor um Jonah Hill is not quite at his best but in one of his funnier films um he's very hit and miss when it comes to comedy obviously he's starting to be a bit more versatile and being in stuff like wolf of wall street and a few more more serious roles but his comedies can be very hit and miss and you have stuff like this 21 jump street and super bad right at the top end and some awful gubbins where he played a babysitter or something right down the bottom and mm-hmm. um so yeah, the two, the two leads are very good. The supporting cast is good. The, the, the plot is more or less the same as the as the first one. Uh, they have to break, go undercover this time at college rather than high school to break down to uh, infiltrate a, a ring of a drug dealers dealing some new drug to students that's causing all kinds of problems. Um, so yeah, it's pretty formulaic, pretty predictable, but still full of enough laughs to to make it worth watching. Um, I like the end as well, where they keep going through the ideas of possible sequels <laughs> 23 That's Jump Street, brilliant. 24 Jump Street. You, know, you two son bitches are going to cu- uh, culinary school. <laughs> things like that. <laughs> it the whole thing. And it's just. Uh, yeah. But yeah, not as good as the first, um, but still better than a lot of comedies that have been released yeah, recently. And definitely worth a bit of your time
0: to watch. Did you hear about how they're um, planning a sequel that involves men in black?
2: No, <laughs> no. Yeah,
0: uh, Apparently. And th- this is the rumor that they are develop. And this is a genuine rumor. They're developing a-, a crossover with men in black because the idea is that obviously the 22 jump street films keep getting, you know, crazier as, the- as what you've just mentioned, you know, the post credits. And they, they had this idea that why don't they just do something really wacky and off the wall and because they're both owned by Sony, I think it is they've, they've they're seriously thinking about doing it, not with Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones, just two new men in black. I'm out. I'm out. And yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. Like, well, a, yeah,
1: a Will a Will Smith cameo will make me see it.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would do. But um, but yeah, which would basically I imagine see them obviously fighting aliens possibly in a high school. I don't know. Wow, like the faculty, but funny, you know, funnier. Anyway.
2: What other franchises do Sony own? Is there any that they can get them to appear in as well? Do they own like Ghostbusters or anything? They own one of the
0: superhero ones, don't they? They've still got Sinister Six, haven't they? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you could have a mashup of all three. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. No, that seems actually quite good. I would watch that, I think. I'd watch it, yeah.
2: (laughs) I'd be more interested in that than I was Men in Black 2 or 3. Mm, I didn't didn't didn't
1: mind Men in Black 2. Men in Black 3 um, wasn't very good with the exception of Josh Brolin's Tommy Lee Jones impression. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That was great. And um, the guy from Flight of the Concords was quite good. Uh, Jermaine Clement. I
0: can't remember the film to be honest. Oh, uh, no. There you go. Will Smith was in it. That that film, I've just got to say this because it always bugs me when I think about it. It's got this massive discrepancy in terms of ages because when when they go back to 1969, there's that he meets Will Smith meets his younger self, who's like about oh, ten. Yeah, 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 So that suggests that Will Smith now in this film is about 55 years old, right in <laughs> the real world. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> sorry, that was the bit that I went, come on, <laughs> no.
1: Uh, so, yes, that's that's all for uh, part of the podcast. In the final part, we'll have some new release reviews, including a look at The Rock's new film, San Andreas. Here's a part of the podcast. Where we have a look at the new releases hitting the cinema that we've managed to get out and see. Uh... Tony is going to start off with a review
0: of George Clooney's new film Tomorrowland. Yeah, Tomorrowland, which is uh, something that's been a bit of a secret, really, a bit of a secret package uh, over the last few years, because it was announced a couple of years ago through as a Disney film um, by Brad Bird uh, and Damon Lindelof writing called, I think it was 1952, and that was it. And it was just this idea that it had this futuristic um, element to it. And then they kept a lot of it under wraps, and um, then finally they started teasing more out of it, and they gave, and it ended up being revealed it was based on the Disney ride Tomorrowland, which is, it's kind of that futuristic retro retro future kind of stylistic, like the Jetsons, you know, the the whole idea of the future being this very, you know, um, jetpacky hoverboardy, you know, amazing kind of positive place. So, the film Tomorrowland is is revolves around the idea that if you've got, you've got all these, all these films and all these ideas about how the future's basically going to shit and we're all going to die and there's going to be a dystopia and apocalypse and everything. And because obviously because this is a Disney film and it's, it's taken a cue from a lot of like the seventies and sixties and seventies kind of Disney films in being about a young girl in this case, um, Britt Robertson is a girl called Casey. Who's um, the, the daughter of a, of a scientist who's a bit down on his luck and it's about this idea that the of a positive outlook towards the future. And Tomorrowland represents this, you know, the idea that we're gonna be good, we're gonna do okay, we're gonna do well, we're gonna to get to this this cool future. And the whole story is about how this girl basically gets a peek into Tomorrowland, which seems to be in a different place to where we are, you know, in, in, this, in this strange kind of separate future. And it's about the quest she ends up being dragged on to get to Tomorrowland. Um because she keeps asking the world, she keeps asking her teachers and everything. Well, you you keep telling me how we're all going to die and how we're all going to fuck up, but how do what? How do we? How do we stop it? How do we change it? How do we make things better? And nobody has an answer, so she's looking for that answer. And then she gets partnered up with uh, George Clooney, who's he's a bit like the boy who never grew up. Really, he's he's a, a kid who years ago kind of started inventing things and ended up at Tomorrowland. And for various reasons, he's not there anymore. And he's become quite grizzled and, you know, older. And he ends up being dragged into her quest to get to Tomorrowland. So it's got this really cool idea. But the problem with it, and the reason it's it's really not as good as it should have been, is that it suffers from Damon Lindelof syndrome. <laughs> now, you know, if you've seen, like, uh, Prometheus as in terms of his, his cinematic stuff, you'll know that obviously I like Prometheus. I thought Prometheus was a lot better than people said, but the ending is fucking mental. And <laughs> and it you know and it really goes off the rails. Um and it, it also has that maddening moment where you know Charlie's Theron doesn't seem to run the other the you know to the left instead of running straight on and getting crushed. Right? Mm, fucking yeah. right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um but no Damon Lindelof and obviously in Lost and again I loved Lost so I'm a Damon Lindelof fan but again Lost ended with this massive sort of angry outcry that he messed up the ending and with Tomorrowland it builds the first half is great it's all mystery building it's all enigmatic it's got a really good pace to it it's got Brad Bird's really nice sense of you know um, retro future positivity like The Incredibles like he brought to that and then you get you get to Tomorrowland and it's just a massive damp squib because it really doesn't live up to the potential of, of what you expected. And Lindelof taps into basically an unused idea from Lost, actually, or a semi-used idea from Lost, which I won't spoil, but I recognised it straight away. And it's a good idea, but it's very hard to translate in, without it ending up in very, very, very long descriptive monologues, which is, is what it, happens is, at the end.
1: Is it an island that can move throughout space and time uh, powered by light and water mixing with a donkey wheel? Because if it is, mind your idea of a good idea, is very different.
0: <laughs> well, this is why I love Last because Lust, I loved the fact it was all that, because it made no sense, and it was just... I, I love stuff like that sometimes, but it, I, what it does share with that is that Tomorrowland is in a different kind of dimensional place. Um, So it does have that element to it. It's more this idea that there might be a way to fix the future that is based on sort of, well, it's magic again, basically. Um, Person-centred magic, which is effectively what Lost was. Um, And it it is a a hard thing to swallow. But the biggest problem is that you get to the end and it's just these succession of really drawn-out monologue moments that either explain the plot or try and get into character. And you're sitting there thinking... Why is the film stopping? And I, I, I'm pillaging from Mark Kermode here because he was absolutely right when he said this in his review. The film keeps stopping at every every like half an hour, every twenty minutes or so, to explain what's going to happen next or to contextualise what this is all about. So it's a film that's really more about the ideas and the themes as it is about the actual story. And it's a shame because it's got it's got a really cool idea. It's got some. When when Brad Bird does show us Tomorrowland in its prime, it's fantastic. It's it's full of really cool ideas. It's got some really fun mad moments. Like there's a really good beat in the Eiffel Tower, which again I won't spoil, but is completely bonkers. But it's it's nice bonkers. And the biggest thing is, and this is something that I went to see this with my girlfriend, and she commented on, on on this. She was right. It's got a great message because it's a really positive message to young people that says don't just accept that we're all gonna you know, die and it's all going to get to shit. Think positive, be positive and we might be able to change things. And that's great, but it's just not magical like Disney should be. And it, and it lacks the kind of magic that you got in Disney live action films like Mary Poppins or, you know, bed, Bed-Nub, bed, and broomsticks. And it kind of wants to be that kind of thing in a way, just modernized, but it, you just wish it was as magical as Tomorrowland is or, or should be. Um, but it's worth it's worth watching. It's good, and it's a an, it would be a nice one to take your kids to, um, and it's got Hugh Laurie, you know, and that's never a bad thing. Yeah. yeah,
2: that's a positive, I
0: suppose. Yeah,
2: it's doing okay in the box office as well, isn't it? It's not
0: absolutely stormed mm. it. like no, they but I mean, it's hoped
1: it, would. Kind of, it was released in half term week, so it was going to probably do fairly well. Um, well,
0: apparently it hasn't. It's... Apparently, it's not done as well as they've as they've said, and that's apparently part of the reason they've cancelled Tron Three, because Disney were a bit jittery on, um, on, 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 you know, doing live action stuff, and the big question marks going around now is, well, has it not done as well because it's not a sequel and it's not part of a franchise, and you know, I don't think it's that. I just think this is a kind of film that who's it who's it for? It, it, the little mm. kids the little kids are, you know, it's not animated or it's not really, really childlike. So the little kids aren't going to get bored. The Some of the little kids would get bored at times in this. It's not for, it's not, it's not one that lads are going to go and see. It's not really one that adults would be desperate to see either. It's weird. It kind of falls into this little zone of, well, okay. You can't really pitch it exactly to the audience. So it hasn't <clears throat> done brilliantly apparently. So it, it it, that's a shame and i think the the kind of lukewarm word of mouth won't help either but it, it is nice and it, it might actually be one of those films that gets a bit more of a cult following over time i think and people will start to find more things in it that they like but it's it's brad bird's weakest film yet i think myself
2: mm. it's there's yeah it's interesting there's a quote here i've got from um Callum uh, wrote the who writes the U.S. box office reports for us on the website. He's got a quote about Tomorrowland because it's made over sixty million dollars, which isn't a huge amount, but I think it's kind of respectable in two weeks. It'll probably make a lot more over time. Mm. But he's got a quote here. It says that um, it says I really hope that the lesson Hollywood takes away from the failures of this and Jupiter Ascending is not that the public doesn't want expensive original blockbusters. Is that we want good, expensive original <laughs> blockbusters, mm. which it kind of, you know, some some blockbusters at the moment are making a lot of money. Mad Max, Furious Seven, uh, which is just on course to be one of the most yeah. lucrative films, never mind franchises of all time. And yeah, you know, I think he's got a point. If mm. If these kinds of fantasy films have the right... I mean, Brad Bird is a good director. He is. Gave him in to do something like this seems like the most logical step, but something's not going right somewhere.
0: Well, I mean, um, I'd have put money on this to be brilliant. I mean, I, I, I was thinking in advance that this was going to be really, really good. I, I was surprised, actually, when I had friends coming back from it and saying, it's all right, and I thought, yeah, I bet they're underplaying it. And then I came out of it, and I thought, oh, yeah, I liked it, but... It just, it didn't fire on all the cylinders. And I believe me, I was surprised because Brad mm. Bird is great. I'm a fan of Damon Lindelof, even though he can't end anything for shit. And George Clooney, <laughs> George Clooney's great. You know, you can't beat a bit of Clooney and he's great in this. He's he's, he's lovely. He's fun. It just, it's yeah. Something's missing. Something's not right. Mm. And, I, and I, I don't, I think it's just a fundamental problem in the, in the narrative more than anything else. I, th- I think that's the problem. Um, so really, people are gonna blame Lindelof, and in this case i think I think to be honest they're right it's le- it's more his fault than bird for me
1: okay um, that is the review of tomorrowland um me and Owen have both seen the Rock's new film, Suzanne andreas we have. Yes, and you've written a review for us as well. So yeah, so I don't need to talk in this bit because you can just go and read. <laughs> is that
2: was going to stay quiet. Yeah, uh,
1: no, I won't. Um, yes, yeah, so the, the, it is the latest kind of big budget CGI fest disaster movie in the same uh, ilk as Day After Tomorrow 2012, that kind of thing. Um, Stars of Rock as a rescue helicopter pilot. Um, and yes, I think that's pretty much told you all you <laughs> need to know. Paul Giamatti. No, really Paul Giamatti is anymore. a science man.
2: <laughs> yeah, Paul Giamatti's there to do science.
1: Yeah, <laughs> science. he's the, he's he's the nerdy-looking man who's wearing he's wearing glasses and got a laptop, so he's science.
2: Yeah,
1: that's how these yeah. films work. Except except in um except in *Day After Tomorrow*, where it's quite confusing because Dennis Quaid was the science and the action in one. And that's probably where where the film fell down because he was trying to do both. They needed a clear definition in characters between the science man and the action man. Rookie mistake. Yes.
2: In a a disaster, you need a leader and you need an academic to sit in front of a camera on the news and go, (gasps) it's going to be huge. Yes. Yeah. So (laughs) I, I suppose, first of all, Steve, do you like San Andreas? That's like the most basic question, and the film is hinged on whether people are gonna it, go around saying they like it, it or not. It
1: was watchable. Um, it wasn't as um, as as tense as when I was in an actual earthquake, but and <laughs> it, it, it didn't remind me anything of it. But uh, yeah, it was it was enjoyable. It wasn't I wouldn't say enjoyable. It was watchable enough. Yeah. It's not a film i ever watch again. Uh, I think, like I said in my review, unless I'd watched, scrolled through Netflix for an hour and a half, then this turned up on ITV2. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's got that, that sort of vibe to it, def- definitely. Um, yeah, I kind of... I don't know whether we talked about it on the podcast or whether it was through Twitter, but surely, Tony, as well, you must have seen the trailer and had some expectations of what this film was going to be like. Um yeah. Well, what did yeah. you think about it
0: from the trailer? Um, I thought it was, I thought, I mean, I mean, I love, I love The Rock, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I will As watch it the, every yeah, man should every yeah. man should love The Rock. I will watch The Rock in anything, I, you know. And uh, when I saw this, I just thought, right, this basically looks like The Rock versus an earthquake. So I, <laughs> I'm down for that. Um, but. Yeah, it just it just it it seemed very very derivative, really. I mean, it seemed like exactly the kind of um, thing we've seen done years before. But also, yeah. and I'll give it this: you don't seem to get many films like this anymore. It reminded me actually of Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones, <laughs> um, which to my in my head is the last one we've had where it was basically you know a big grizzly guy versus nature, um, yeah. and that's good because you don't get many like that anymore. So, it, Or when you do they're like the day after tomorrow. And yeah. Horrible, yeah. horrendous crap like that. No, or 2012. Oh, Should um
1: But yeah. The, the uh, neutrinos have mutated. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's right. I mean, yeah. it, derivative is the word. So that's what I pictured as well. Just this horrible, mindless, um, patronizing sort of film that it, it kind of is, in a way. It kind of is. It's, it it surprised me that I expected it to be like 2012 or The Day After Tomorrow, a film, two films I really hate. I think they're really boring, they're really long, really self-indulgent, and above all else, they're just fucking stupid. Incredibly th- thick, and that's like, this is thick, San Andreas, it's really just a stupid film. It is kind of patronisingly manipulative in trying to make you care about certain characters by um, introducing backstories to them, like uh, like the family has already lost a daughter through another event. In, One these, of their... in
1: these films, the main family always is a broken family, isn't it? It's to make you care about them when they start to come together. It's like oh
2: they've worked through their problems. It's a triumph. It's 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 great. They've worked through this tragedy. Oh the the actual tragedy that's going on. This broken, fractured earth is actually like them. Oh they're going to rebuild. It's 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 all this kind of shit that is derivative, and it doesn't make me care about the characters. I found the rock really boring in this film. He's it's not he's,
1: of... he's not as over the top as what the rock should be, is he? He's just really dull. He's just, play- he's just playing, he's not even playing an action hero, really, is he? He's no, just playing- he He's just playing a dad. A dad, exactly. Like, Which is kind of, fine. Kind of like going back to when he did comedies, but without the jokes. <laughs> well, actually, he, like- did- he did one joke. I can't remember what it was, but it was when they got off the parachute.
2: No, uh, yeah, no, I can't remember what it was, but
0: he did do a joke. Yeah, There was a joke in there. Um, is there anything like as as rock awesome as him breaking his own plaster cast like in Furious 7 he leaps out of a helicopter on a wire
2: at one point, he That's flies good. a plane into the sea and leaps out of it with a parachute and his wife strapped to him
0: <laughs> uh,
2: he, he saves everybody by pushing them up against a wall Well, he does, he does a few things that are like heroic but it's the character he's actually playing is just dull dad. That's yeah. it.
1: Boring dad. Saves the day. Um, it, it is very much like all the rest of these kind of films as well, where it's something happens, they escape at the last minute. 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 End of the film. And they have to keep
2: pushing further and further of what the the thing that's uh, that's affecting them is. Yeah. So it starts off, there's a bit of a rumble. And um, the Hoover Dam collapses. I think you see that in the trailer. The Hoover Dam starts cracking, and Paul Giamatti's there, because he's like a seismologist. He's doing measuring... His, he's doing his
1: and... science.
2: He's doing his science, but he's there with his laptop going, oh, I can predict earthquakes now. Oh, no, there's an
1: earthquake. Um,
2: didn't, pre- didn't mate... predict
1: that one, did he? He didn't predict that one. No, well, <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> much, to his, much to his mate's demise. Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. And it's really... It... I kind of forgive it a little bit for being kind of cheesy. Um, because that's the, the kind of film that a disaster movie should be. You don't watch it for, uh, I don't know, for the serious drama of or, it. You watch it because. Just... Or... or accurate science. Or accurate science. You watch it because there's big CGI buildings falling apart, destruction everywhere. The rock's going to fly in on a little helicopter, rescue his wife from the top of a burning building that's collapsing underneath her feet. Or Paul, Jim, Jim, is going to save a little child who's flung it in by a guy who's outpacing some cracks in a dam that are just chasing him across a wall, or whatever it, whatever it is. That's why you watch it. You want the um, adrenaline of these sort of films. And to be perfectly honest, I think it does that bit better than I expected. Yeah, I mean, so- all of the destruction is really quite well realised.
1: Yeah, I mean, it me. is an absolute CGI fest, but. Oh, yeah, sure. um, The effects are, you know, pretty good.
2: They are very good, yeah. They've done very well with with making it look um, like what might happen if a big building in wherever it is, San Francisco or San Andreas, I guess, starts to fall apart. Yeah. And it looks quite good. And you kind of get the whole people being ushered to safety and um, The Rock's daughter who's there is trying to save two British guys, one really young and one guy who's there being interviewed by her stepdad's company, etc., etc. It's yeah, kind of, it's really, pointless. You don't really need to know much about the backstory, but it's...
1: Really, really it, annoying accents.
2: Did you find them quite annoying?
1: Yeah, especially the older one. That wasn't a British accent. He's, like, he's, <laughs> an, Australian, he's an Australian guy. I had a look yeah. to see. So I thought, well, if he's British... He must be putting on that accent. So I'll see what he's been in before. See if I can find a clip of him doing British accent normally. And I couldn't because he's Australian. He was in Home and Away. Nice little thing there. You had someone from Home and Away and then you had Kylie Minogue who's in Neighbours in the film.
2: Completely pointless cameo that was. I don't
1: think, I don't think it's a cameo because I don't think she's big enough in America to really be classed as having a cameo. It's not as if you had like Britney Spears or Madonna or someone playing that role. That would have been a cameo. I just think Kylie somehow got cast in this film in a bit part role.
2: That's random. Possibly, yeah. It is really random. It's that's very random. Really it's,
1: weird, random. It's, it's
0: weird to see though, isn't it? Because you think, what? Well, that's that's Kylie Minogue. It's Kylie. What the Did, fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Did you reckon she just maybe was hanging about like she was in the area, and they were like somebody knew her, or The Rock went, "Oh, I know you, Kylie. Do you want a part?" what I mean, Maybe the yeah. Could be. Yeah,
1: but maybe. I'll tell you what, I don't really care if this is a spoiler, but the ending, fuck me. <laughs> Are you talking about the flag? The flag. And, and what it is after. So basically, these characters survive, and at the end, they're overlooking San Francisco Bay, all in destruction, and everyone with the rescue efforts and everything like that. And what do we do now? And you see the rescue helicopters fly over from the same lot that the rock works for. Uh, you see an American flag unfurl over the scene of San Francisco Bay for, for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then he says, "We rebuild." No. God. No one. That rebuilding project just isn't worth it. The city's completely leveled. Two. And, we, <laughs> and we've just
2: seen what's happened to the the best architect in town. Exactly. Exactly. We know what's happened yeah. to him.
1: And two nature has just told you, don't build a city here, it's a really stupid place to build a city don't rebuild, <laughs> go and put some, one up in the bloody desert or something
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, let's build over this new yeah. fault line, just yeah. just think about it do you think uh, yeah, maybe but... it was like some some kind of, you know, 9-11 kind of nod and wink well, it's been Wait.
1: 14 years and there's no direct relevance to 9-11 in the film so I don't really <laughs> yeah. think it is I think it's just stupid Americanism you,
2: what happens in this film at the very beginning That, like, the, the ending scene is pretty bad but the opening scene really just kind of rubbed me up the wrong way you've got a girl who's driving a car I'm going to say girl I think she's like a teenager still she's driving a car along the edge of this steep mountain road and at the same time, you can see through, like, her point of view, there's a, an oncoming car. There's a car on the opposite side of the road. Both of them seem to be driving at a fair enough sort of speed for that kind of thing. But then she turns away, so she's not looking at the road anymore, reaches into the back of a car, fiddles about with a bag. And you're the, the obvious thing there is you're meant to go, uh-oh, oh, they're going to crash. There's going to be a collision, and she's going to be flung off the side of the mountain. And then, oh, no, they've, they've gone past each other safely. It's fine. For you, Thank God for that. But now, there's another car coming. And it's, oh no, what else is going to happen? And this <laughs> other car's coming towards her on the side of the mountain. And then, she just reaches down and starts playing with her mobile phone. And you go, oh no, God. it is going to be a disaster. They are going to crash. It is going to be another catastrophe. Oh, no, never mind. They've patched each other safely as well. Nothing to worry about. It's all fine. People can fart about in their cars and not look where they're going. Nothing's gonna happen. Oh shit, rocks! Rocks have fallen, everyone! Uh oh, rocks have fallen off the mountain and have hit a car and sent her flying. See? Nature kills people. Nature causes car accidents. Not idiots not looking where they're going. Technology's not to blame. It's nature. Oh, why, oh, why didn't we listen to the scientists? And that's kind of like the theme for the whole film.
1: Should have listened to the scientist. This guy oh, that, that was a stupid thing as well. Like the the news reporter who went to see
0: the oh, scientist,
1: man. it was like, "Oh, and no one listened to him." He's just got back from the Who, literally just right <laughs> where he came kind of his where he found out his theory worked. He's not even had time to type up the report. No one's had time to listen to him because he hasn't said anything yet. Exactly. No one listened to my tweet. It's yeah. just like, well, <laughs>
2: yeah, it's just, the hot. Like I said, the whole film is utterly stupid, but. But it's not bad. I will say that. Oh, one, like my favourite bit of the film, actually, just going back to the point about the scientist and his warning. When she, that news reporter's actually got him in front of the camera. Yeah. And she's actually got Paul Giamatti in front of the camera. And he just is explaining that these earthquakes are only going to get worse. Yeah. And then he turns to look at the camera and he's just like his bottom lip wobbles. I thought that was hilarious. I know that wasn't meant to be the point, but he just looks directly into the camera and does a proper sort of Tom from Tom and Jerry sort of bottom lip wobble.
1: Like, uh-oh. It's just <laughs> Might as well have held up a little placard. Exactly, yeah. Saying, was, run. Oh man,
2: I, I had to try not to laugh out loud in the cinema at that you, point. You
1: expect these kind of films to be stupid, but then they've all been stupid and none of them have worked, so I don't really know what's, what the suggestion is there. I, like I, said, I, think I think the the only one that, that, that's worked really well was The Impossible, but that's a completely different kettle of fish.
2: Yeah, that's more like a biography. Or,
1: uh, it's based bio- on a true story, but it is still yeah. a disaster film as well. Um, but yeah, completely different. But, well, but I suppose maybe if they made false, fake, you know, fit, completely fictional ones and took it as seriously as that, it might work.
2: Yeah.
1: What it kind of reminded me of is...
2: Um, Paul W. S. Anderson's Pompeii from last year. Yeah. But sort of modern in a way. And without a vo- instead of a volcano, it's earthquakes. And that's just it, really. Yeah. It's just a typical disaster movie in every sense of the word.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, that's nearly all for the podcast this week. All we've got left to do is do some quick recommendations for the week ahead. Uh, I'm going with. Uh, five USA on Saturday afternoon, starting at twelve fifty-five, and you've got the original Superman from nineteen seventy-eight. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Owen, what are you going to get everyone watching?
2: I think this is pretty obvious, isn't it? I've uh, sort of already said that um, both Alpha Papa, Adam Al- Partridge Alpha Papa, and In the Loop are on iPlayer, and if you've not watched either, you should you should spend ninety minutes watching one or the other or preferably both um just to double check as well alan partridge alpha papa's available until quarter to 11 on the 15th of june and in the loop is still on iplayer until one thirty a.m on the
1: 16th of june so there you go okay and tony
0: well just sticking with the steve coogan theme um Firstly, um, on Netflix, I uh, see recently added um, on Netflix is, is a little favourite of mine actually called The Parole Officer, um, <laughs> which uh, is quite a nice little film that he made about 15 years ago um, before he really became famous um, abroad. A uh, nice little British film uh, about a little heist set in like, the north of England. Uh, it's got a younger um, Lena Heady from uh, Game of Thrones as well in it. It's, it's, it's quite nice. It's quite gentle and fun. Uh, and he's quite good in that so i recommend that one it's nice um and quick i've got to say quickly speaking of lean heavy um just for god's sake watch the latest game of thrones <laughs> okay um, jesus christ because the last 20 minutes of that are just relentlessly amazing and it's it's been a it's been a fairly for those of you who've been watching season 5 it's been a fairly slow build and at times lackluster season but this just blew the roof off basically so yeah, wow. you've you've got to catch it. And that's still on Sky Atlantic, um, I think. Or, you know, i able to get in other ways. <laughs> wink, wink.
1: Okay, uh, so yes, that's all for this week's Failed credits podcast. Uh, thanks, Tony, for joining us. Do you want to rem- uh, remind everyone where they can find your podcast?
0: Yep, um, you can find uh, Black Hole Cinema, on uh, Podomatic and we're uh, on iTunes as well if you want to uh, subscribe to us um, that would be Champion and uh, we'll put the links up on our Twitter which of course is Black Hole Cinema um, and you can find me uh, at Black Hole Writer as well
1: Okay and Owen what have we got lined up for next week? You I, I always spring this
2: on me and
1: I never <laughs> The thing is the thing is I don't always spring it on you no one to ask it every week
2: well, some weeks you don't. I don't think you asked me last week, so I was able to get away with it <laughs> then. Um,
1: what is out next week? Uh, not not uh, a lot, geez. don't you think? Let's just do a triple bill and then wait for Jurassic Park the week after. <laughs> yeah, why not? Well, yeah. I don't... Uh, I could, yeah, whatever. Spy's
0: out. Spy, that's out. It's
2: Spy, yeah, that's it. Oh, right, yeah, so we've got, I think, Paul Field coming on the podcast, possibly you say Paul Field C-
1: then for a minute. Paul Field <laughs> P- <laughs> P- <B> coming <laughs> on the podcast. Bloody that would hell. be Ed Cooper. <laughs> How has that happened? Yeah. Got the I'll next best film though, haven't
2: we? Paul Field. <laughs> Paul Field, <laughs> yeah. instead, yeah. yeah. Sort of like, um, you know, what's the uh, sci fi company who make all the knockoff films?
0: <laughs> um, oh, what are they I don't know what you mean. Mo- Asylum. You know, just the buster. Asylum, Asylum, Asylum yeah, yeah. The Asylum's
2: version of Paul Field. We've got yeah. Paul Field. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so join us for that next week. And of course, thanks to everyone who's contributed or bothered to listen to the podcast.
2: The Failed Critics podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening.